So we have been going through a series in Mark, and we're somewhere in the middle of chapter 8 right now, and we decided to take a little hiatus for a Sunday because we've talked about a lot of miracles and a lot of healings and seen a lot that Jesus has done. And we got to thinking on preaching team, you know what? These stories are 2,000 years old. I wonder if there are people right here in our community that have experienced healings and miracles and have experienced God working in ways like the ones that we're reading about in Mark. Well, sure enough, I started asking around, and we did find people who have experienced God like this, so they're going to talk tonight. Um, to remind you some of the things that we have heard God doing so far, we've heard about the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, the healing of the deaf mute man, the restoration of a demon-possessed man, calming of a storm, the driving out of an evil spirit. It looks different in a lot of different ways when God is moving. And all of these are miracles. Lots of miracles in the first eight chapters of Mark, but that doesn't mean they're common. Ben's okay, everybody. (laughs) It's a miracle. (laughs) So miracles aren't really common. That's what makes them miracles. Miracles are things that surprise us, that leave us in wonder. How did that happen? Well, when Jesus performed miracles, he didn't do it just for the shock and awe factor. Jesus performed miracles out of his compassion, out of his forgiveness for people, and out of his love. But he also did it to get their attention. Because he wanted them to recognize, this is God. This is God. Miracles today are not really for any different reason. It's so that we recognize this is God working, coming in and saying, I care about your life. I care about you. So tonight we're going to hear three stories from different people who have experienced and seen God. I feel like this thing is falling. Maybe I'm pulling it down and that's the problem. So people who have experienced God's compassion, God's love, and heard his, I am here. This is God working in your life right now. Recognize me. First, we're going to hear from Tracy Johnson. Then we're going to hear from John Swanger. And then we're going to hear from Jackie Bittner. I'm not going to introduce each one, so this is their introduction. (laughs) Um, But tonight's going to look a little different than normal. Normally, we do sermon and then worship. But because these stories are about recognizing God... We're going to put a worship song after each story because we want to take time to reflect on how God has worked 
in that story, in that person's life, but how he also might be speaking to you and what he may have already done in your life or be wanting to do in your life. And it's a time of just acknowledging God. So the worship songs are purposefully set right after the stories. And then when Jackie's done, I'll get up and, and close us. Um, so I'm going to pray um, for our time and for our time of worship. And then I'm going to ask Jack, I'm going to ask Tracy, Tracy Johnson to come forward and share first. So please pray with me. Lord Jesus, um, I read a quote this afternoon as I read a book about prayer that said that there is no safety in prayer because we should ask you to do incredible things and that we should anticipate you doing incredible things. And so I pray. Um, I pray an unsafe prayer that you would do good and miraculous and awe-inspiring things here tonight in our hearts, in our minds, that you would open us up to hearing your voice maybe in a way and seeing you in a way that maybe we haven't before. I pray that you would give us hope, give us encouragement, and remind us of your faithfulness through these stories. And I pray for I pray for Tracy and for John and for Jackie that you would just fill them with your spirit and give them the words to speak um, clearly and to speak truthfully about you tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Hi. Gosh. They're so responsive. So... I'm going to tell a story about God miraculously healing people. But uh, I should start at the beginning of that story because if you're anything like I was, you would be like, yeah, whatever. And already like looking at your iPhone doing something else. So don't do that. Not yet. Give it a chance. So um, I'm sure many of you have heard of Youth with a Mission, uh, YWAM. Uh, About a year ago, I uh, left to do that. And uh, just getting me there was like a big problem because I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to go. No, no, I'm not going to go. And uh, they, they would send me more information. They'd be like, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be in the prayer room for four hours a day. And I was like, that does not sound like fun. Does that sound like fun to anybody? No. <laughs> and they're like, we're going to wake up at dawn and we're just going to do cool God stuff for like 16 hours a day. And I was just like not looking forward to it. I mean, I love God, but I was just like, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to. But somehow, miraculously, well, I shouldn't use that word lightly in this story anymore. Somehow, strangely, I got on the plane and arrived and, uh, you know, spent the first couple of days crying hysterically, wondering what the heck I was doing there and that kind of thing. So uh, we settled in over the weekend. And then on uh, Monday, we went to class, and it was like, oh, nice nice to meet all of you guys. Okay, everybody from all over the world, you know, like meet your new best friends. It's going to be amazing. And so I was like, okay, all right, maybe I can handle this. So we did a couple hours of, like, uh, you know, teaching on, like, the love of God. And I was like, yeah, all right, the love of God, I'm done with that. That's cool. And they were like, okay, well, 
you know, ended two hours is up. Now, we're going to invite God to show up and basically prove, uh, you know, that all the stuff we were just talking about is true. Are you ready? Like, <laughs> okay. All right. So... <laughs> so we we all start like praying and we're like worshiping God and just like focus on God and don't think about anything else and just like get really into it and I was like okay alright cool and then people started like speaking tongues and like laughing hysterically and like falling on the floor and like writhing around and I was like is it too late to like get my ticket refunded and go home <laughs> oh my gosh oh boy I thought I was weird no I was an amateur compared to these people But I was like, well, I know God really wanted me to do this, so here I am. But I was still like, don't all of you come near me with your weird, crazy stuff. So a uh, couple weeks in, you know, it was like, you know, uh, we were learning all this stuff, like, uh, you know, a huge focus on, like, the love of God. Like, if you understand the love of God, then you understand, like, who you are, like, your identity in Christ. And then you can just go out and, like, fulfill your destiny in the kingdom of God. And uh, that would be pretty awesome. So I was like, all right, this is cool stuff. So, uh, you know, but all the, all the kind of weird stuff, you know, like the, the yelling and the crying and the screaming and the whatever, that was really getting on my nerves. And uh, it kind of came to a point one evening, we were having this uh, nice solemn meeting where we were discussing where we were, where we were going to go for the next couple of months on our trip. And, you know, we needed to plan some things. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, somebody fell on the floor and was like, <laughs> laughing hysterically and really loudly and I was like you know what like come on like if this is God then why is God gonna show up in the middle of our perfectly fine meeting and ruin it because that is obviously what he's doing here so I just sat there and I was like I usually don't get I'm usually just like whatever you know but I was like seriously angry just like seething anger at this person who's rolling on the floor laughing and all of a sudden he just stops and he looks at me and he says God is offending you on purpose <laughs> and then he goes right back to laughing and rolling around on the ground and I was like well good job God I'm offended you win I guess so uh, that, you know, I was, I was kind, of, kind of angry about that. But, uh, you know, and I was like, well, that, if that's God, then I really need to, like, kind of examine all this stuff and see, like, is it really real? You know, maybe, maybe they're doing it for attention, but maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is real. So um, over the next couple of months, I spent, like, the first three months, um, you know, just, like, in, in a classroom learning this stuff. And uh, they would always start out the day, you know, today we're going to learn about visions and dreams and interpretations and all this cool, weird stuff that you thought you know about, but you actually don't know anything about at all. And then, uh, then they would spend, like, the last half of the class where we would just ask the Holy Spirit to show up and just, like, I'm telling you, like, some crazy stuff happened. Like, I saw some crazy stuff. Like, people would get visions. They would get uh, prophecies, um, you know, where they would just turn to someone and be like, hey, um you know, uh, I think God wants to tell you something about your life, and it would just, like, freak him out, because it was just like, how would you know that, except God told you, um, and so, uh, you know, so I was, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, I'm getting used to the, to the weirdness, you know, it's kind of cool, whatever, I guess, and, um, but I was, I was really, um, 
you know, uh, happy to be learning all this stuff about God. So one day it was like, um, like healing day. Like, hey, did you guys know that, that God still heals people? And I was like, you mean in modern day America where they have science? I don't think so. I don't believe it. I mean, sure, of course, he could do it. But why would he if you can just walk down the street and go to the clinic and get your arm reset when it was broken or whatever? Um, but they were like, no, 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 I think you're, uh, you're missing the point. Like, um, you know, yeah, we don't, we don't see that stuff as often as, uh, you know, maybe they do in other parts of uh, the world um, where they don't really have, like, the kind of science we do. Um, you know, but they were like, but it's, it's not like he can't or he doesn't want to. So, you know, like, let's, let's just pray and give it a shot. So I was like, all right, fine. So we're all, like, standing in circles, you know, and like, oh, I need prayer for uh, my ear or my leg or whatever. So, um, you know, we just started praying for each other. And, um, you know, at the end of just, like, 20 seconds of prayer, um, you know, they asked, like, is anybody healed? And people were, like, raising their hands, like, yeah, dude, my, my wrist is better and my ear just opened. I've had this ear infection for, like, months and all this, all this, like, crazy stuff started happening. So I was like, whoa, that's weird. Um, and people, like, right in front of me, too, you know, uh, had that happen. So I, so, you know, because I'm so skeptical, I'm like, I have to see it with my own eyes in front of me right now. So, um, so crazy stuff like that was happening. Um, I don't know, I don't know why it was like, it, it just like happened like all the time. Like people would get healed, we would go out and tell people about Jesus, and they would accept Christ like right then. Um, just crazy stuff. So, um, you know, we were in the, like this super tight community, and we fasted together, we prayed together, we, we spent like all this time worshiping God. Um, just an aside, you know what, like four hours in the prayer room is like now like my favorite thing on earth. I was like, this is going to be so lame. But I was like, no, it's amazing. Sitting in a room by yourself for four hours is lame. But sitting in a room with God for four hours is awesome. I just kind of miss the fact that, like, God would be there. So it was amazing. <laughs> amazing the, the difference it makes. So, um, yeah. So, uh, okay, so... We get on the road. After our three months of training, we're like, all right, we're going to the universities. We're going to stand in front of the, the buildings in Yale and Harvard, and, and we're going to just worship God, and we're going to change the atmosphere, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show up, and people are going to get healed and all this stuff. And, you know, we just went out and did it. It was crazy. So, um, like, uh, like, almost all the people that we prayed for, like, got healed. Um, and uh, one of the... One of the best stories you might have heard about on Facebook, but I'll tell you anyway, was uh, when we went to Montclair State University, which is like the most awesome public university in America, according to somebody who would know. And uh, so uh, one morning it was like, okay, well, um, we're going to go to this discussion on mysticism. You know, like, can you experience God uh, personally? You know, we were like, yeah, we're all about that. Let's go. We're going to rock that discussion. So we went and uh, had this, you know, crazy discussion about monks levitating and all sorts of weird stuff. And then at the end, we were like, well, does anyone uh, want us to pray for them? Because uh, we've been praying for people, and uh, God's just been healing them. Like, so what do you say? So um, so we prayed for a couple of people, and uh, this the lady who had been running the discussion, she got healed. Like, something was wrong with her leg, and it was just, like, instantly healed. And she was just like, whoa, like, you know, who are you people? <laughs> and she was like, well, um, I teach this class on uh, religion, 
and it's going on tonight, I think you guys should stop by and, uh, you know, share with the class, you know, what, what you guys are up to. So we were like, okay, cool. You know, so, uh, so we go out to go get dinner, and we're sitting around thinking, and we're like, wait a second. This sounds really familiar. Like, back when, when we were at the, um, at the YWAM base, uh, you know, we had this crazy, like, prophetic vision week or whatever. All these, like, awesome people from all over the world were, like, praying over uh, my group that was going to the universities. And they said all this stuff like, you guys are going to stand in front of a class of 100 people, and you're going to preach the gospel of Jesus in, in like, an Ivy League university. And we were like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh so we were like, Oh well um we're gonna we're gonna be in front of a university preaching the gospel of Jesus. Okay, let's do it. So we show up that night and they're showing some video. But as you can imagine, since they've been warned that a bunch of Christian missionaries is gonna come tell you about Jesus, you can imagine how they felt. So when we walked in, it was very intense. They all turned and looked at us like we were the scum of the earth. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> hi, okay, <laughs> great to be here. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they just cut off the video because, like, nobody's paying attention. They're, they're just like, what do these people want? So we get to the front of the uh, classroom, all eight of us, and we're like, so, um, We've been traveling around for a few months to all the Ivy League universities, and we pray for people, and God heals them, and we tell people about Jesus, because he's really awesome, and you should get to know him, and we should pray for you, you know, and we're like, huh, just talking all this stuff, and they have like the worst questions for us, they're like, so do you think everybody who doesn't believe in Jesus is going to hell? Well, do you? And we're like, huh, you know, I mean, they're just like, the worst questions, <laughs> With all this anger, you know, like they grew up in church and they hated it and they, they never really, like, you know, met God in there. They just got, like, a bunch of church. And now they're really angry about church. And they're going to think of a really mean question to ask me that I have to answer. It was, like, pretty brutal. But uh, we were, you know, dodging bullets and, you know, hitting a few out of the park. It was pretty good. So um, eventually my leader is like, all right, well, enough, enough talk because the kingdom of God is not one of talk, but of power. You know, we're going to have a demonstration of God's power. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> so he's like, does anybody, does anybody have anything, uh, you know, physical, physically wrong with them that they need healed? And everybody is like looking around like, what is this guy saying? 100 people, like Ivy League University. And, um, and one guy in the back is like, yeah, yeah, I do. I have an old uh, sports injury that never healed. Come on down. So he, he starts coming down the stairs. And, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of felt a little bit like that. I'm not going to lie. And, um, yeah, and uh, we're like, okay, well, we're going to pray for you. All right, and people are just like, they're just going nuts at this point. They're like yelling and cheering, but they're pretty much just like mocking us. And I, I felt a little bit like, okay, well, if, uh, if God doesn't show up and heal him, then we're in deep trouble. Because like in front of 100 people, we just made God look like he's not real or didn't feel like it or whatever. 
So uh, it was a little bit nerve-wracking, but for some reason we were just kind of, you know, we had those thoughts, but we were like, you know what, like, God's totally going to heal him. So uh, he's like, he's like six foot something. He's like taller than Paul Keene. <laughs> so uh, we all gather around him and just, uh, you know, place our hands on his ankle and just pray for like 10 seconds. You know, God, can you, can you please heal him? Just show him a uh, demonstration of your, of your love, of your truth. Um, just open his mind to, to who you really are. Just heal him in Jesus' name. And his face was like, no way. No way! And he starts, like, moving his ankle around, and he's like, it's healed. And we were like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it is. We were like, go ahead. Do something you couldn't do before. And he was like, oh, my God. We're like, run around. He's like, Jump up and down. Yeah, it was healed. Yeah. Go God. Woo! So as soon as everybody realized that, like 20 or 30 people like ran down the stairs. Oh, I got something wrong with my back that just has, hasn't ever healed. Oh my gosh, I was a Christian like until I was like 10 and then I was just, just like, I don't know, like it just seemed like a bunch of whatever rules, but gosh, maybe God is real. I mean, like we prayed for all these kids and like a bunch of them got healed and a bunch of them like uh, gave their lives to Christ or rededicated their lives. Uh, that night, and we stayed in that classroom for like a few hours. It was like glorious. So, there you go. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Hi. I'm John. What's your name? Cool. Okay, uh, like Tracy, I have 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm supposed to talk about the night that I come to know Jesus, but in order to do that, I'm going to do a synopsis of my life before that. Because we all come to know Jesus, that, so it's how, how that worked. But uh, before knowing Jesus, uh, some of you know, some of you don't. I spent uh, a few years in the federal pen. I used to rob banks. I used to steal cars. My dad taught me how to steal cars. Um, At the time that I became a believer, I was working in a bunch of topless joints. I was a bouncer. I ran nine topless joints, two nude joints. I had four dealers that I was supplying cocaine to. I was a coke addict and an alcoholic and rode with a couple of motorcycle gangs. So other than that, my life was perfect. <laughs> it just needed a little tweaking. But Christian, I hated Christians because part of my job was to beat up the Christians that hung out in the parking lot. They were out there handing out tracts, you know, come to our church, and I'd go slap them. And tell them, look, I don't try to steal your customers. Don't you steal mine. I'm not on the steps of the church handing out free drink coupons. And so, you know, I considered Christians as weak people who needed a crutch, who needed something else in their life because they weren't man enough to stand up on their own. Christian music sucked. 
Christian women are ugly. I don't know if you've ever known any Christian women. They wear dresses up to here, down to there, no makeup. They've got kind of a blue haze to their hair. And uh, wear one of those little cameo things that, that with the woman on it. You know, that it's just stupid. And Christian men are nerds. They all got short hair, and they say, glory be to Jesus, you know, hallelujah. And they say all that kind of stuff. And, and, and frankly, all the Christian men I knew were kind of effeminate. And I'm going, you come around me, I'll make you effeminate, you know. So it was not fun, but... I was working in these joints, and there's this guy that worked in this convenience store. And uh, he would always say hi. I'd go in there, and, and i go, what's happening, Jack? And he'd go, you are, John. And I'm thinking, this guy thinks I'm cool. But I don't know. He's talking Holy Spirit like, Holy Spirit's working on you, and I'm going to get you when he says the time's right. That's what he's thinking. But he's just saying, you're what's happening, John. I go, yeah, I know I am. I'm, I'm all that in a bag of chips. But I developed a relationship with him. And I went in there one night, and he said, you know, I'd like you to come out and meet my wife and have a home-cooked meal. When was the last time you had one? And I said, well, uh, does prison count? Because if not, I'm not sure I've ever had a home-cooked meal. But if prison counts, it's been a couple of years. And uh, he invited me over, and so I told him I'd come. He told me he was a Christian, and the hair stood up on my neck. And then I thought, I'm the toughest guy I know. I'm not going to let some Christian scare me. I can go to his house without being scared. But the day came time to go to his house, and I I ended up moving a girl in with me that day. I didn't tell her I was going to some Christian's house because, like I said earlier, Christians aren't cool, and that's not the image I want her to know. So I didn't tell her where I was going. I just said, look, there's Coke in the freezer and and, uh, weed up in the cabinet. Make yourself at home, and I'll be back later. And I went over there and sit for about an hour and a half and listened to Jack talk to two friends of mine about the love of Jesus. And I'd never heard of that. I heard, you know, Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves me, this I know. He loves him little children, but when you get older, he's pissed. That's the way I was raised. The only gospel I ever heard is turn or burn, God's going to French fry you, get saved or go to hell, that kind of thing. And so I didn't know what he was talking about, the love of Jesus, but he called his daughter in there. She's about five. She walked over and he said, this is Jessica, my daughter, and introduced her to us. And she smiled, and, uh, cute, and she headed back to the bedroom. And he goes, the relationship I have with her. He says, I'm bigger than her and stronger, and I could twist her arm behind her back and make that little girl do anything I want her to because I'm bigger and more powerful than her. And he said, but that's not what's happening here. What's happening is I love her. And she loves me, and she'll do anything I want because she loves me, not because she's afraid of me. And he says, that's the same relationship I have with Christ. And I started thinking, this is weird. You know, this stuff started, it's like my gut started turning upside down, and I'm going, what is going on here? I started thinking, man, don't drink any more of that coffee. Did he put something in it? I'm unsnapping my buck knife and getting ready in case this is like some weird drug thing. And he's talking to these two guys, and right out of the blue, he just turns to me and goes, so what are you going to do, John? And me being the honest person I am, always have been, even though I was a thief, I was honest with people. (laughs) You'd have to be a thief to understand that. But I said to him, you know, to be honest with you, I'd like to go home and snort some Coke and read the Bible. 
and he just jumps up and says let me get you a bible and i said wait a minute if you are a real preacher you'd tell me i how i gotta quit you know it's a sin cocaine is going to send me to hell and all this and he goes that's not my job it's my job to introduce you to jesus and it's his job to change your life it's not my job to change anybody and that was the first time i ever heard anybody uh talk that way usually preachers are always telling you what you're doing wrong rather than telling you what you could do right so he got me a bible jim one of my friends that was sitting at the table he i don't think he really wanted the bible but he heard free cocaine so he goes hey i want to go with john so (laughs) so uh jack handed him a bible and we jumped on our harleys and we headed to my house but as we walked up the steps to the apartment i went to stick the key in the door i'm going oh man and he goes, what? And I go, there's a girl in here. And he goes, a girl? So we stuck the Bibles up under our leathers and zipped them up so she wouldn't see that we had Bibles because we had her convinced we were men. So we walked in the door, and I looked, and she was asleep off in the bedroom. And I went and shut the bedroom door and walked out. And, and I don't know what Jim smoked, but he was out slobbering on the table. So I pulled out the mirror, and I drew a few lines of Coke, and I sit down in the recliner, turn a lamp on, and I started doing lines of Coke and reading the Bible. And by 6 a.m., I'd done three grams and read the New Testament. (laughs) And I started talking to God. And I said, man, I, I read a lot of stuff in there, and I'll be honest with you, it sounds really good, but I don't know if this is true. Some guy in jail could have written this thing out on toilet paper and handed it to the guy in the next cell, and he told two, he told two, and next thing you know, a third of the world believes something that some crazy guy made up. I'm going to give you a shot, God. I'll make a deal with you. You proved to me you're real. You got one shot. I'll call Goodwill and tell him to come get all these TVs and VCRs and all this hot merchandise here. I'll call my dealers and tell them that I'm out of the picture. I'll call my wholesaler and tell them that I'm no longer buying Coke. I'll quit doing drugs and I'll quit drinking and I'll spend the rest of my life working for you. I'll call the strip joints and tell them I quit. I'll quit doing everything that I do that's wrong and I'll spend the rest of my life bringing people to know you. But you're going to have to prove to me you're real. There's a girl asleep off there in the bedroom. And if I do this, she can't stay here. I want her gone. I don't want her mad. I just want her gone. And I got up and slid the Bible out from under Jim and put both Bibles in the cabinet and shut the door. And I sat down and I said, it's like 6 a.m., God. You got like five minutes or else I got to go to work. And the bedroom door opened and the girl walked out. And she came over to me and she said, "Uh, how come you didn't come to bed last night? I said, I don't know. It's just hanging And her eyes got big, and she said, You got saved last night, didn't you? I said, Yeah, I guess I did. And she said, I should leave, shouldn't I? I said, I guess you should. And as she walked out the door and the door shut, I heard God speak. And he said, I did what you said. Now, this is not something spoken in my heart. This is where I turn around to look who was standing behind me. I did what you said. Now you do what you said. And I called Jack. And I said, Jack, I believe in Jesus. And I've been uh, working to bring people to know him ever since then. Now, if you're like me, 
and I know I am, you're, go- <laughs> you're going, is it the miracle was that she knew that I had accepted Christ? Or was the miracle that Christ spoke to me in an audible voice? Or is it a miracle that I was a cocaine addict and never again touched cocaine or had the desire to? I think it's all of those. But I know we serve a big God because he got me through this in less than 10 minutes. So those two are really hard to follow up. Like, I thought I was going to be the funny one. Um, But I guess God's really funny because I'm not going to be the funny one at all. Um, So I'm really nervous, but Kimberly told me that the Holy Spirit keeps the throw up down, and that's a blessing. (laughs) Thanks for laughing. Okay. So I'm going to start with kind of explaining who I was two years ago. Um, I had this thing called the black hole syndrome, as I like to call it. I was angry and really confused and unhappy and just super self-righteous. I had this reputation of being a bitch, and I was really proud of it. Like, I wanted that reputation. Um, If I didn't benefit from being nice, then I wasn't going to do it. So just in a really bad place, black hole get it okay so um, a lot of bad things happened back home in Illinois and I decided to run away from all my problems and come to Denver which was a huge blessing and I was brought to scum of the earth Um, another huge blessing I will at the time I thought so anyways so I started coming here and got really involved um, met some of my best friends in the world and really loved the community Um, I was a little apprehensive about church because I had been really hurt by Christians and I was like they're ballsy enough to call themselves scum the earth and like I'll give them a chance Um, so started coming getting involved heard about this really cool trip to Scotland for a month as a missions trip, and I got really, really excited. Um, I was, like, talking to everybody about it, really involved, um, started going to meetings, started raising the money, which was $3,000 for a month in Scotland. So I ended up raising the $3,000 super quick, like, the only person that was getting money just, like, really intense. Um, I thought that was a huge miracle. Like, in it, I was like, wow, like, this is a miracle. Like, this is huge. Um, Non-Christians were giving me money. Like, my family was giving me so much money, and I was just amazed. Um, But being the black hole I was, I blew it. Um, I gave God a big F you, and (laughs) I decided to live with my boyfriend, and I therefore got kicked off the Scotland mission trip. Um, it was bad. I was so angry. I was, like, crying and cussing and yelling at Ben Mercer. Like, that's how bad I was. Like, if you know Ben Mercer, he's the sweetest man in the whole world. Um, since then, we've, I've apologized. We're friends. Hey, Ben. I don't know where you are. What's up? Um, so after getting kicked off the trip, I, of course, was like, how can these Christians treat me like this? Like, what jerks? Like, it's all them, and I had nothing to do with it, obviously. Um, stopped going to scum. 
um, broke up with that boyfriend like two months later and moved to Minneapolis for two months only to realize I was just running away again and hated my life and came back to Denver. It was really expensive. Um, <laughs> I have notes. I'm such a dork. Um, so I get back to Denver and I just assume that that boyfriend who I broke up with and ran away would take me back. I'm like, oh yeah, why wouldn't he? Um, and he didn't. So I was like, wow, the one person I thought would always want me doesn't. And um, in that moment, I really hit rock bottom. Um, I was sitting in my bathtub, like with the lights off, crying for like the third day in a row. It was really, I was like, man, I am lame. <laughs> like, this is really sad. I didn't have a friend like in the world and depressed and black hole still. Um, and that's really when my ma actual miracle happened. Um, not the $3,000, but um, Jesus's healing. Uh, so I decided that I was going to stop saying I was a Christian and actually become a Christian. Um, I didn't know what that meant, so I just decided I was going to do exactly the opposite of everything I had ever done, because that had to be closer to walking with God than what I was doing. Um, and things just got really good from that moment on. Um, I, like, actually meant it and was actually doing it. I got baptized in March here by that man that just talked. He dunked me, John Swanger, in a horse trough right there, and it was the best day of my life. It was amazing. Um, and since that, like, God is just giving me so much, um, teaching me a lot about humility, um, really healing me of bitterness and anger. And uh, the biggest one I think he's doing is giving me a community. Like, I'm so homesick, especially, like, it's Father's Day. My dad is awesome, and he's back in Peoria. <sighs> and it's really sad to not be there. But so many people here are not from home either, and it's really nice that I can put on Facebook, like, I'm, you know, homesick, and everybody's like, you want to hang out? Like, what are you doing this weekend? So it's huge. Like, my best friends are sitting in this room right now, and I don't know what I would do if I would still be walking with God without them. Um, also, like, my hindsight, of course, is 2020. Um, I look back at that Scotland trip, and I should have never gone. It wasn't about living with my boyfriend or not. It was about me not being in a place that should have gone. Like, I mean, I was not living a godly life. I was looking at it as a vacation for a month in Scotland. Like, that would have been awesome, you know? <laughs> so, um, really just realizing, like, what's God doing in my life now and leading me with him is awesome. Like, I can't even explain in words how different I feel on the inside. Like, that's really hard to say. But, like, I'm still a smart ass, and I'm still really aggressive, as Alan Brooks likes to say, and uh, I'm still who I am, but, like, now my heart is just so different, and I hope it's apparent in my actions and in my community, because I love this church so much, and in spite of everything, God led me back. Thanks. And I... I just wanted to say that the reason why I asked Jackie to share this story was because I recognized this in her. And I didn't know all of this story. I just said, God did something different in you, and I recognized it, and I wanted you to share it. So we do see it, and God is good. Thank you all for your stories and for having the courage to share. Um, and thanks for leading us in worship and helping us to remember 
um, the stories we've just heard. So um, I just wanted to say that not all of us experience miracles like that in our lives. Um, but it doesn't mean that God is any less real to us than he is to Jackie or Tracy or John. Um, Jesus said uh, to his disciples at the end of Matthew, um, he said, I give you all authority in heaven and on earth that has been given to me and say, go and make disciples to all go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I'm just encouraged when I read that because Jesus didn't say, I'm going to show you that I'm with you every moment of every day or every day of every year but he promised to be with us, and I think he gives us miracles to remind us that he's there when it's hard and when it's dark and when maybe we are having a hard time believing. So I pray that tonight would just be an encouragement to your heart, an encouragement to your life, and would be hopeful that God is working here and now. Um... I'm going to pray for us, and then I have a couple of things um, I want to let you know about, and then we'll be done for tonight. So would you just pray for me to end this? Good time. God, um, thanks for being present. Thanks for reminding us tonight um, that you are real, that in these stories that here you are, this is God. This is me. I am that just as much as you were 2,000 years ago, you are here today. So we ask, God, um, that you would remind us each day and each week that you are with us, whether it be in a miraculous way or whether it be in the contentment of our hearts. We give you praise and thanks in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.